Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. So today I have Sarah Ball, who's one of the doctors who works with me very closely in my Menopause and Wellbeing Centre. So thanks for coming today, Sarah. It's a pleasure. Some of you might know we recorded a podcast a few months ago now talking about migraines and the menopause. So today we thought we would focus on younger women because when people think about the menopause, often people think about women in their 50s with hot flushes and that's what most people don't they think about Mm. the menopause. But actually I was quite surprised to learn really quite recently because as many of you know I didn't have any formal menopause training as an undergraduate or postgraduate that one in 100 women under the age of 40 in the UK experience an early menopause and one in a thousand women under the age of 30. So that's really common, isn't it? Mm, It is. Did you ever get taught that at medical school? No, no, not at all. No. And it is far commoner than you think it is. Yes. Um, I was taught as well at medical school that if a woman doesn't have periods, then you need to make sure they're not pregnant. That's mm. really important because we've all seen people yeah. who sit there and say, no, I'm not pregnant. Mm. And you do a pregnancy mm. test and yeah. they've found that they are. And we did touch on eating disorders because people who have anorexia and sometimes athletes, don't they, their yeah. periods stop. Mm-hmm. And actually, we were taught that if periods stop, you need to think about their hormones because of their bone health, because if they don't have hormones, there's an increased risk of osteoporosis. But that was all I was taught. Mm. So I have, for quite a few years now, I'm really embarrassed to say that I must have seen a lot of, I know I've seen a lot of women who have come telling me their periods have stopped and I've Mm. done pregnancy tests, I've talked about their diet and that's it. Mm. Yeah, I think I would have, I remember seeing some years ago in general practice and thinking, oh, gosh, the main focus in my mind was the fact that they maybe hadn't yet thought or had their families yet and thinking, oh gosh, that's not very good. But actually not really recognising it as actually like a chronic disease, really, which is essentially what it is. No, this is the thing, isn't it? So let's just talk about what the definition is, because there's early menopause and there's premature ovarian insufficiency, Mm. isn't there? So can you just explain the difference? Yeah, so early menopause applies to those women who are between 40 and 45 who reach the end of their periods. And then premature ovarian insufficiency applies to those women who are younger than 40, who typically they stop having periods and they have low levels of oestrogen and other hormones in their body then rise up, which is how we can tell that the ovaries are no longer responding to the normal sort of mm. pathways in our body. So they are technically two distinct groups of women, the early menopause women and those with POI, premature ovarian insufficiency. But actually, for the sake of practicalities, for a lot of considerations particularly treatment we can almost think of them in the same group of women but those two groups of women added together are quite a distinct group of women from those that reach a natural menopause at the average age which is usually between 50 and 51. And it's really important I think like you say the menopause isn't a disease as such 
But even women who go through the menopause at the average age of 51 have an increased risk of future disease such as heart disease and osteoporosis. But this is even more relevant, isn't it, when are under the age of 45? So before we talk about that, why do people have an early menopause? So if we're talking early menopause, then it's, I mean, there is a variation in all of us. So just because the average age of the menopause is between 50 and 51 doesn't mean that there's variability in there. So some women will just reach an earlier menopause, say at the age of 43 or 44, just through variation alone. Mm. But when we're talking about premature ovarian insufficiency, so those women below 40, there's quite a number of reasons. So the commonest reason is what we call idiopathic, which is just a posh word for we don't know know what the cause is. And that probably applies to about 85% of women. Actually, we just don't understand why their Mm. ovaries stop working sooner than they were designed to. Mm. And then about another 10% of women, they have a genetic reason why their ovaries have stopped working. So it's often a chromosomal problem, which they may or may not have Mm. already been aware of. And you do sometimes find families where numerous people have the same genetic traits and therefore they almost may have an early menopause on their radar because of other family members. Some women get to it for what we call autoimmune reasons. So autoimmune diseases are things where our body abnormally recognises something as foreign and starts to attack it. So some women, for example, that have thyroid problems or adrenal gland problems, it's because their own body is attacking those glands and the same thing can then happen to their ovaries. Mm -hmm. So that makes up another small percentage of it. And then some women, the reason is what we call iatrogenic, which is a posh word for medicine has created their, Mm -hmm. their menopause. So that's often women who have had treatment for cancer, maybe as a child or as a younger woman, and they've maybe had chemotherapy or radiotherapy or something which has made their ovaries not want to work properly Mm. anymore. Or we see another group of women where they've had their ovaries removed at an early age. So for example, women that carry the BRCA gene, which we know is to do with an increased future risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer. So they will have their ovaries removed to try and prevent that. But in doing so, they then create... Mm. A menopausal status. So that sort of covers all the causes apart from we also know that smoking, for example, is a bit more associated with premature mm. ovarian insufficiency. So yeah. for some women, smoking will actually help to switch off your ovaries earlier than they should have done. So yeah. There's lots of different reasons. But for most, we just don't know. No. And then like you say, sometimes it can run in families, can't it? When we see people in the clinic, they often say, my auntie, my mother, mm. my granny had an early menopause. So they were expecting it. Mm. But what I don't get surprised anymore, what I did initially is what people always say that they were actually looking forward to their menopause because obviously, as you know, periods stop. That is really good. But a lot of young women have no idea about the symptoms, but also the health consequences as well. And there's a significant proportion of women who have an early menopause or POI that don't actually have symptoms, don't they? They don't have the classical Mm, hot flushes, sweats. About 10 or 15%. Which is quite a lot, isn't it? Yes. But I think they probably do have other symptoms, don't they, that they don't associate Mm, related. Yeah, and often I tend to find it's psychological symptoms that they have which have been put down to just anxiety or just depression. Mm. And because they haven't had any physical symptoms, no one's really put two and two yes. together. And so they may not even notice for quite a while. I saw a lady in, 
the clinic just last week who actually was one of those women who had never had symptoms. So it was about three years after and and she was suffering with anxiety which wasn't responding to treatment and it was only then that her blood tests were checked and actually it was found that in her late 30s she had actually reached an early menopause and she was gobsmacked it's interesting Mm. isn't it yeah I think because the hormones estrogen and as you know also testosterone affect so many cells all around our body especially in our brains it is those symptoms of low mood reduced energy often anxiety, poor motivation. People just feel generally a bit flat, don't Mm. they? But there's lots of reasons why people might feel like that. And so unless they put the two and two together, Mm. they wouldn't always know, would they? And sometimes often symptoms can change as well. So people maybe have some symptoms for a little bit and then they improve. And especially if it's more of a natural menopause, Often they have women still become perimenopausal before the menopause. So they have months where they're fine, other months where they're not. And so then it's really can be quite difficult, yeah. can't it? So yeah. tracking symptoms with periods can be really useful. So there's the symptoms, but we've alluded to already about the health risks. So talk us through why should people be concerned for their future health if they have an early menopause? Yeah, so oestrogen is massively important for lots of functions in our body and so the ones that suffer the most when we lose them early are our bones and our blood vessels so especially our cardiovascular health so to do Mm. with heart disease but also our brains really suffer as well so our brains need estrogen to both to help with our mood but also with our normal functions like finding words and you know being able to remember things and to concentrate on things so we know that there's increased risks of dementia and heart disease and osteoporosis for women with premature ovarian insufficiency and also sexual health really suffers as well Mm. both from a physical point of view because we know that about 50% of women with premature ovarian insufficiency have either vaginal or urinary symptoms but also libido drops a lot Mm. so there's multiple reasons why sexual health then also declines. So it's really important that women are diagnosed early so the earlier the Mm. hormones are replaced the better isn't it? There's an interesting study by an American showing that women who have their ovaries removed early have an increased risk of all the conditions Mm. you said but I'm sure you know the paper as well but there was also there's an increased risk of diseases such as schizophrenia even drug abuse kidney failure, mm. even lung problems, yeah. asthma. Yeah. And I'm sure you remember the slides that's associated with the paper. And what surprised me was the array of diseases, mm. but also it highlights that our hormones get everywhere. Mm. You know, most people would not think that estrogen is important for our lung function mm-hmm. or for our mucous membranes or even allergies. And it's fascinating mm. that yeah. our hormones get everywhere yet we're not taught about them. As women, we're not taught about them at school, but even as healthcare professionals, we're not taught about them. And they interact with so many cells and so many processes. And like you say, it's important for the sugar metabolism in our brains. It's essential to have estrogen on board. And a lot of women, even when the diagnosis is made, we know they have an increased risk of anxiety and depression because it's very hard being diagnosed with menopause anyway. It's quite socially isolating when you don't know what's going on. And I know when I was experiencing menopausal symptoms when I was in my mid-40s and I said to some of my friends, gosh, 
I've realised now I'm menopausal and I'm going to start HRT. And they said, gosh, that must make you feel really old and you can't have children now. And I was thinking, well, actually, I'm very fortunate I have children and I was sterilised. But I then thought if I was in my 30s or 20s Mm. and everyone around me is getting pregnant or talking about contraception and you have this diagnosis it must be really hard Mm. mustn't it yeah and we certainly see people in our clinic don't we who and quite understandably it's really hard and they have no one to talk to about it do they and although we take for granted having to think about contraception throughout our Mm. you know 20s and 30s and 40s and and having periods they might be a pain Mm. and we might wish that we didn't have to worry about them all the time but actually they are almost seen as a normal part of being a female and so actually if you take them away from especially a younger woman that need for contraception and periods it sets her aside yes somewhat and so you want to try and normalize yes it is and actually I think it's important for women who do have an early menopausal POI to realize that for a lot of women, they're not infertile, are they? Their fertility no. reduces. Mm. So some women actually find when they start taking HRT that their fertility improves. Yes. And it's something, obviously, we always talk to people about at clinic yes. because we have had a few, haven't we, who yes. have been delighted that they've become pregnant because they've been on HRT mm. by replacing the hormones. So it doesn't always mean they're infertile. But we also, and I, I feel very strongly about this, I see a lot of women who have been told in infertility clinics that they have reduced ovarian function, that they're likely to have an early menopause. And often at the time, these women think, great, my periods have done me no favours. I'm really pleased they're going to stop. But sadly, none of these women are given information. And it's very frustrating, Mm. isn't it? Because we see these women later on when they've suffered for a long time. Yeah. So talk about how do we diagnose it? So it's if someone has periods that are maybe a bit more scanty, a bit more yeah. irregular, they're getting a few symptoms, they've maybe filled out the questionnaire, the Green Clement Terrett questionnaire that's mm. available if you just search questionnaire on my website and they think it might be. Mm. How do they get a diagnosis? Yeah. We tend to be more detailed in diagnosis for those less than 40 because the implications Mm. are so much greater so typically you're looking for a woman that hasn't had periods for sort of three months but as you say if the periods have just changed and become less scanty Mm. then we should still consider testing so we would typically test for a blood test called an FSH Mm -hmm. your follicular stimulating hormone which rises typically if the ovaries aren't working properly Mm -hmm. And you would usually try and do two of those blood tests six weeks apart. And if they're both raised, then you've sort of got your diagnosis. Yeah, you've got your diagnosis. But again, it's really important that because we know that, especially in the first year after reaching an early menopause, actually your ovaries may switch back on Mm. again, just because a woman then has either maybe one of those two blood tests might be normal or both of them might be. But if your clinical suspicion is that this may be on the cards in the near future. We just shouldn't dismiss that woman and tell them everything's fine. We should maybe keep them under radar and and recheck or Mm. keep reviewing them. But then we would also check things like their level of oestrogen in their blood, which Mm. will usually be low. And we tend to check their other hormones as well, things like testosterone. Mm-hmm. There's other hormones as well, like prolactin, for example, which wouldn't normally need testing in an older woman, but in a younger woman, we would check because there's lots of other slightly more complex hormonal pathways which can contribute to changing in periods. Mm. And because I said about the problem with chromosomal changes, 
again, depending on their family history, we may also suggest they have slightly more complex blood tests to look at their chromosomes and any genetic reasons why they might have had it. And also other things like their thyroid gland and adrenal gland, there may be additional blood tests that we could do. Yes, yeah, and, and I think we've got really good guidelines, haven't mm. we, which help clinicians to know when to do blood tests and which yeah. blood tests to do. And often we also recommend a bone density scan, yes, don't we, a DEXA we do. scan. Yeah. And that's certainly on the guidelines. So if a woman has an early menopause, then she should be able to get a DEXA scan on the NHS. Yeah. And that's sometimes they have to push for it a bit harder, but mm. it is important because really of this important. risk of osteoporosis. Yeah. So women should have a baseline Yeah. DEXA scan, shouldn't they? Yeah, and also there's a bit of an association, is there, with um, celiac disease, which is really all to do with your digestion, but women with celiac disease are slightly more likely to have an early menopause. So yes. There's a blood test that can check for that. Yeah, so blood tests with hormones can vary so it's not as easy as diagnosing diabetes for example mm, is it which no. we really need a blood mm. test or even thyroid usually can help with a blood test but if someone still thinks they have symptoms mm. and their blood tests even if they've had two are normal then they should really be speaking to a doctor that specializes in the menopause because sometimes we give people treatment and then assess their response don't we mm. So what is the treatment? What should women be thinking about? Yeah, so essentially, for those women that have got symptoms, we want to try and help with those symptoms. But also, crucially, we want to try and prevent the future damage mm. from not having enough oestrogen. So essentially, we want to replace hormones. Mm. So there's two common ways of doing that. We can use HRT, which is obviously the way that we would normally deal with it in a woman that reaches mm. a natural menopause at the average age. And that has a lot of positive things going for it. We know actually overall it's better for your bones and your cardiovascular health to give HRT, but that's not going to suit all women and Mm. especially the really younger women because actually the whole stigma, if you like, of having HRT may make them feel even more uh, different different, from their peers. So you can also use the combined oral contraceptive pill. So both HRT and the combined oral contraceptive pill have the two hormones in. They just do it in a slightly different way. So essentially HRT is slightly lower dose, but is usually a slightly more naturally occurring and safer and slightly more effective for the menopause. Or you've got the combined oral contraceptive pill, which is of course used by millions and millions of women worldwide to prevent them getting pregnant. But actually it does give you high dose hormone replacement as well but it's a more synthetic hormone so stronger but also provides the woman with contraception so if actually fertility isn't an issue and she really doesn't want to achieve a pregnancy although that isn't hugely common a woman can feel more normal with a packet of pills in her makeup bag or whatever than she would with hrt so both have their pros and cons Mm. And it's important to know, isn't it, as a choice. Increasingly now, even with women who don't have early menopause, if they're on the contraceptive pill, we tend to run packets of pills together mm. rather than having three weeks on and a week break. But this is really important, usually for women who have POI and early menopause, because in that week break, they're not producing their own hormones. Mm. So it would mean a quarter of their time, they're still increasing mm. their risk of all these conditions. Yes. So if a woman chooses to take the combined oral contraceptive pill, they should be encouraged, shouldn't they, to try yes. and not have that pill free week the same way and there's slightly less evidence isn't there that the contraceptive pill is as protective for bones Mm. and hearts so but often women might start the contraceptive pill and then decide to go on to the hrt when they're in their 40s which is important 
sort of graduate through the yeah. choices, don't they? Yeah, and if one type doesn't help or doesn't work, mm. then often we try something else, don't yes. we? So it's very fluid, it's not yeah. fixed, yeah. Um, yeah. which I think we see a lot of women in the clinic and I speak to a lot of women who say, well, HRT doesn't work, it doesn't work for me, I've been on it and it doesn't work. And what would you say to those people? Usually that means they have not yet got enough in their system. So um, in general, the younger you are, the more hormones you need to Mm. get back up to the level at which you should have been. And so we have a generalised problem with HRT that the doses that are licensed are really quite conservative Mm. for many women and especially younger women. And we often have to go up above the licensed doses, doses, which can feel nerve-wracking for women to feel like they're on a dose higher than Mm. what the leaflet says. But actually, we seek to reassure them that actually it's not about a set dose. It's about what the individual woman needs. And, you know, we often go quite high and it's fine because it's very safe and we can measure both her clinically and her symptoms, but also if a woman is getting the oestrogen, which is the main part of HRT through her skin, we can also do blood tests, which really give us a really Mm. reassuring idea of where she is. Because essentially, when you give a woman HRT, you're essentially getting on a ladder, really, and you're trying to find the rung at which the woman feels better, but doesn't feel so high that she's a bit, you know... No, and and we all respond to different levels, don't we? Mm. So we've all seen women, and I know personally... My level of estrogen obviously fluctuates because it can do, but there is a certain level where I know I feel better. And, and we know that if women still experience symptoms, such as flushes and sweats, despite being on HRT, they have an increased risk of heart disease and osteoporosis. So it's not good enough to have suboptimal mm. treatment. Yeah. But people are worried. I had a message this morning from someone, she's not one of my patients, and she said she's had an early menopause, she's on some gel, a GP had done her blood test and it was high and he said, it's too dangerous, it's going to give you breast cancer, you need to come off it straight away. Mm. And obviously I don't know her, but I can give some general advice, which was absolutely do not need to stop your HRT. And people really worry about the oestrogen, don't they? So there's a couple of things I want to just ask really. Everyone worries about breast cancer with HRT. So when we're talking about giving HRT to women who are young, who Mm. have got early menopause and POI, should they worry about the breast cancer risk? No. If you lose your hormones early because you've reached an early menopause, Mm. then actually you lower your risk of breast cancer because you're not making the hormones, which possibly contributes Mm. your risk of breast cancer. So by replacing a woman's hormones, you're only putting her back to the level at which she should have been anyway. So we know there is no increased risk of breast cancer for women that start HRT before the age of 45. That's really important, Mm. isn't it? Because every time there's a scare about HRT, which Mm. we've talked about in other podcasts, it's the young women who often get denied HRT. And as you know, there's there's a Lancet paper that came out in September looking at older types of HRT, saying there was an increased risk of breast cancer, which we know there is a small increased risk with some types but it was fueled by the media. There's a warning going to all GPs. But actually, the week after, I don't know if you're aware, there was an article in The Lancet, so the same publication, saying that women who have an early menopause and POI who are given HRT have a dramatically reduced risk of heart disease. Mm-hmm. And the take-home message from that paper was 
all women should be encouraged to have hormones unless they have contraindication. Mm. But there was no press release with that, yeah. and it didn't come out through the MHRA. There was no reminder to us as mm. GPs to say, these women really need hormones. Mm. So it's confusing for doctors, it's confusing for healthcare professionals, and it's hard for women, isn't mm. it? Because they constantly thinking they're increasing their risk mm. of breast cancer but they're not realising all the benefits, which are so well documented. This yeah. isn't new fancy data we're talking about. This is long-term established. Mm. No one's going to contest it, are no. they? How yeah. important it is to replace mm. our hormones. Yeah, And we know that heart disease and the effects of osteoporosis and dementia are the biggest threats to our mm. health Yes. Um, as a woman and yes breast cancer is an important thing that you know none of us wants breast cancer mm. but actually if you look at it statistically we're going to gain far more from our health yeah. through replacing our hormones than we yes. are going to yeah. lose and the other thing which is so rarely ever mentioned in any of the headlines that we see is that even those women that go through the menopause at the more average age and take combined hrt when we talk about an increased risk of breast cancer, we're only actually talking about an increased risk, which is small, of being diagnosed with breast cancer. It actually doesn't affect death rates from breast no. cancer at all. Yeah. Yet we are going to improve death rates from the things we can prevent, like heart disease and dementia. And which is really important, which is really important. Yeah. yeah. So certainly for young women, they should be taking a type of hormone, unless there is a contraindication, mm. until the age of 51, the yes. average menopause. Yeah. And then then they have a different discussion, don't mm. they, with their doctor. Yeah. But people should start then counting the time they're on HRT from the age of 51, mm. don't yes. they? Like you reset the clock. Which is yeah. really important because I've spoken to, and I'm sure you have, a lot of women who maybe started HRT in their 30s, mm. have been on it for 10, 15 years, and they've maybe changed GP or someone's reviewed their notes and says gosh you've been on it for far too long you need to come off and they're still only in their 40s so it's a minus length of time that they're on it so because all you're doing is replacing and because women are living longer it's really important that we can look um, and I think it's really important that women are educated because hormones are vitally important for a lot of women but it's also looking at their lifestyle isn't it it's looking at what they can do to improve their cardiovascular health their bone health so looking at taking vitamin d exercising regularly looking at their diet their nutrition their smoking alcohol all those things and i think as doctors we should be giving people the right information so they can choose about their lifestyle again like you're saying it's about preventative medicine so these women don't become patients they can mm. carry on having a healthy life isn't it yeah it's just restoring her back to the normal yes yeah yeah it's almost wrong when we think of it as medicine yes absolutely and I think that's the problem people do think that HRT is and when we look at what we tend to prescribe it's derived from the yam the root vegetable mm. it's body identical so we normally give estrogen through the skin as a patchal gel and like you say you can safely have higher amounts and if a woman has had a hysterectomy then she only needs estrogen and sometimes testosterone and then if they've got their womb then we usually give the natural progesterone don't we the micronized progesterone or quite often a marina coil that works as a contraception as well so there's always options aren't there testosterone sadly isn't licensed is it for women um and there used to be a patch didn't there that was and the specific license for this testosterone patch was women who'd had a surgical menopause who were young 
Because younger women often really miss testosterone, they don't do. they? Yeah. What does testosterone or lack of testosterone affect? Yeah, so when we talk about testosterone, women will tend to, if they've heard of it, one, they either think, gosh, that's a male hormone. And actually, yes, of course, men make lots of testosterone, but actually women make three times as much testosterone as they do estrogen. It's just we make less than a man. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of women know that testosterone is something to do with their sex drive Mm -hmm. and it is really important for sex drive but actually that isn't the only association with it and we know we also as we have estrogen receptors throughout our body we also have testosterone receptors throughout our body so they're also really important for our brains to function properly and certainly our sort of cognitive function tends to improve and our mental focus And we know that our muscles and bones also have testosterone receptors. So physical strength and stamina also improve. Estrogen is the most important hormone for bones, but testosterone also contributes. And mood also can be Mm. um, really helped. So, you know, it's very much a kind of a layering effect that you make sure you've got your estrogen up to good levels and doing as much as it possibly can. But then often testosterone can fill in any gaps or even enhance things. Yeah. Further, so it's really important. It's really frustrating that it's not licensed. Mm. You know, there are positive moves towards trying to change that for the future, which hopefully will happen. Because it's very safe, isn't it? it, it, it yes. Because all we safe. all we do yeah. when we give it is just replace. Yeah. So we measure levels, and if a woman has normal female levels, mm. then the chances of having any side effects are mm. practically zero, aren't yeah, they? Exactly. Um, and some people might know we often prescribe a testosterone cream called Androfem, which is made in Australia but it's a regulated product but it can be given on the NHS at the male version which frustratingly is licensed but it can be given as smaller doses and the British Menopause Society have some great information for healthcare professionals and there's information on my website for women as well so if someone's still struggling with symptoms especially the low mood low energy reduced stamina low libido despite being on good doses of estrogen then they should really talk to someone about testosterone shouldn't they sadly a lot of gps still aren't trained in testosterone and hopefully that will improve with time but they should try and seek a doctor who with a special interest in the menopause yeah. shouldn't they yeah it can make a big difference to mm. women and you know, especially younger women and especially those that have had their ovaries removed it yes really can make a- so you mentioned briefly about women who have a BRCA gene or an increased risk of breast cancer often have their ovaries removed to try and reduce the risk of ovarian cancer and they're obviously they're flawed into a surgical menopause. A lot of women are still denied HRT because they've got a family history of breast cancer so they don't have a personal history but they have a family history. What would you say to these women? Again if we know um, there's been ample evidence now that if you've got the BRCA gene and you have your ovaries removed to try and protect your future risks then it's absolutely fine to take HRT. In fact, it's recommended to take Mm. HRT up until the age of 50 or 51 because the risks of not doing so Mm. far outweigh the risks of having it. And we also know that, you know, family history of breast cancer is extremely common Mm. um, because actually we know now that of those of us women born after 1960, about one in seven women actually will get breast cancer at some point in their lives. So if you think about your family and how many female relatives you've got, most women have got seven female relatives. So therefore, statistically, one of them is going to get breast cancer at some point. So we really do, unfortunately, take family history 
a bit too much at face value and we don't actually examine the details of that. So, yes, there are some women, if they have a family history, for example, a first degree relative, so your first degree relatives are your mum, your sister or a daughter. Mm. And if they have breast cancer, and especially if they've had breast cancer at an earlier age, so younger than 40 or 50, then it may actually be that they do need a discussion with a geneticist if they're not already known to have a BRCA gene in their family. But actually, most people will often see women in the clinic and say, oh, you know, I've got a cousin that had breast cancer. And actually, that is absolutely just part of bad luck and statistics, unfortunately, and it doesn't affect your own Their own individual risk, which is very important. And most cases of breast cancer are not related to a genetic cause or BRCA or anything. But I think it's important that women who do have a family history, however strong, know that they usually can still take HRT. So it's really important that women are given the right advice, Mm. really. So I hope that's helped people because... The more you talk about the menopause, the more that you will realise that there are a lot of young women out there who are needlessly suffering and often not receiving the right treatment. So if you have any friends or relatives or you personally are suffering in any way, then it's really important to get the right information to hopefully be empowered to then receive the right treatment. So thank you ever so much for talking this through because it's a really important subject but before we finish can I just have your three take-home messages for women who think maybe they have an early menopause or they do have one what would you Mm. recommend? I think the three most important points are one this is a different kettle of fish all menopause is important and needs a discussion but this is even more important Mm, and it's not really a choice as to whether you have treatment I mean obviously we have a choice in everything but Mm. it would be the reasons to consider replacing your hormones are so much stronger Mm. and it really should be seen as a given that that should be done and that fertility does need to be considered and you know fertility clinics need to be heavily involved if a woman hasn't already had her children because things like IVF and egg donation can be, you know, life-changing mm. those women. So that's really important to be done. And I think really finding some support as well, because although we've said it's actually commoner than we think to have an early menopause, if it's happening to you, it's unlikely that you're going to know another person mm. with the same thing and you can feel very isolated. So I think finding support, there's online forums now so that you can chat through the psychological issues, the physical issues and sort of everything that goes along with it and actually get the proper information Mm. so that you can take this through for the rest of your life and and not let it define you. Absolutely. I think not feeling alone is really, really important. So thank you ever so much for giving up your time and doing this today. Thank you. For more information about the menopause, please visit our website, www.menopausedoctor.com. Dot co.uk. Dot